when we do that, we bear out the greatest testimony, and that's the working of God in the family of God. Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not Thanks for joining us at The Hope of Our Calling. Let's get started in our study of First Peter. Well, welcome back. This is The Hope of Our Calling, and we are in First Peter. Um, we have been studying very hard the um, deep concepts that the apostle, the disciple Peter, has been sharing with the pilgrims or those dispersed. We've been learning so much We've been learning that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, that is reserved for us in heaven. We've learned that we're kept by the power of God through our faith unto salvation. We've learned that the trial of our faith is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried in the fire. In other words, our salvation is the end game. It is what we are doing here. And through the trials and the tribulations, through that crucible fire, God is perfecting unto himself a set apart a very special group of people who place their faith exclusively in him by the knowledge of his word through his spirit. And we're going to be studying more about that today. Last time we were together, we concluded our study with talking about the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So as we continue now in verse 20, it reads, He indeed, speaking of Jesus, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And we're going to stop it there because there is still so much within these few short verses that I want to share with you. All right, so let's take a look at verse 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Now, we previously talked about the foreknowledge of God. The analogy I gave was it's as if being in the blimp looking down on either the Macy's Day or the Rose Day Parade. You were able to see from that vantage point both the beginning and the end. And that's God. He knows all things. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He knows everything from start to finish. Whereas 
were the participant in the parade. And thus, all that we can see is what is right in front of us, maybe a little bit ahead, maybe a little bit behind. But basically, our perspective is all about what's right here and now. But from Genesis to Revelation, God, who sees beginning into end, has been communicating to us that all is well because all of this is in his plan. And it was formulated before the beginning of time. Let's take a look at two examples, one in Genesis and one in Revelation. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, this particular verse in this particular chapter is known as the first gospel. Because it speaks of the immaculate conception or the prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, where it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So God in Isaiah was talking about a date yet to be where a virgin would conceive a child and bear a son. In our verse, verse 15 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says that there will be enmity between thee, speaking of the satanic possession of the serpent and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Well, talk to any doctor, and he will tell you. Women do not have seed. Women have eggs, and it takes the seed of the man in order to conceive a child. Now, it was a virgin's birth. It was an immaculate conception because the angel Gabriel told Mary, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and she would conceive. It was an immaculate conception by God. God has been telling us from the first book in the Bible, he had a plan of salvation because God would be with us. Now, he further illuminates this in the book of Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. And it's speaking of those who would turn their backs on Christ and follow the evil one, the father of lies, the father of deception, the same one we were talking about in Genesis. And it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. What I'm getting at, it's important for us to remember not only that God has the perspective of the blimp, 
but also that God is the master craftsman. He's the master weaver, and he is weaving a master tapestry that has one picture in mind. Yet we only see the threads that are being woven into it. And we need to remember that he is the master and his plan is perfect. And he's telling us right here that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, meaning the crucifixion was already foreseen and known and prepared for before the foundation of the world which causes us to remember the Gospel of John, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And further down in verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Does that sound familiar? Begotten? Do you remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish. Do you see it, saints? God wants us to know He wants us to pursue his love. He wants us to know that he has an amazing, magnificent plan in play. And that as we put our faith in it, as we trust him, he reveals more and more and more of it to us. We are so blessed to be Christians in 2017 Because we can look back at so much and all that we have, all the resources we have in his word, we can comprehend this amazing plan. We've been given God's word. We've been learning and given God's prophecies or foretellings. We're seeing this as we study more of God's word and as more of God's word dwells within us. We have been given an extraordinary relationship with God through the sacrificial blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ by his spirit that leads us into all truth. We have a fuller view of the parade of life. We have a fuller understanding of the coordinator of every detail. And we have a full understanding of a love that is so magnificent, so extraordinary, there is no earthly equal. But we're invited to learn. And all of this has a purpose. All of this has a plan. And all of this has a timeline which we are currently on. We are in that part of the timeline known as the last days. From the time of Christ's resurrection 
It is known as the last days where prophecies have been fulfilled and fulfilled and fulfilled that we can read throughout Scripture. But yet there are still a few left. What we're being prepared for and what we're getting ready for is as the book of Revelation says, that the bride of the Lamb has made herself ready. That's what we're doing right now, right here. As we go through this study, the exhortations we will receive will teach us it is all about his love and sharing it with one another and the means to do that. So let's continue in verse 21. Who through him, through Jesus, we believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. God wants us to have that full knowledge of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus, remember how I said, the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. What God wants us to know in this particular verse, verse uh, 21, that through him we might believe in God. He wants us to understand him and how he does things. We might think, and you often say, God's up there. You know, the man up there. But God is not up there. God is everywhere. He is Elohim in the Hebrew, which is the plural for the word El, which means God. He is one being, but he has many workings. And throughout scripture, we see him as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and each has a part in our plan of salvation. Jesus cried in John chapter 12, verse 44, He that believes on me, believes not on me, but on him who sent me. As I said, God has a plan, and we are in it. We're a part of it, and also benefactor of it. But he is not a silent bystander. He's the eager storyteller, telling us a story of his amazing love. You could see that as God the Father loving us. And the means he would demonstrate it, that would be Jesus' sacrificial life death, and resurrection for us, and the means we would learn of it by simply believing, and that's the Holy Spirit who draws us to the Lord. Again, in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 
God wants us to know the full masterpiece story. Moving on, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. There's a favorite verse of mine that's found in the Beatitudes. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you see the promise? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If our hearts are set on his righteousness, desiring it above all things, the promise is that we shall see him. How perfectly peaceful is it to know that God is in the heart business? He is about transforming my deceitfully wicked heart that Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 speaks about into a pure heart. This is something that only God can do. In Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19, it talks about God wanting to remove that hard stony heart that the world has produced in us. And he wants to give us back that soft heart of flesh. And he does it by giving us counsel in his word. By the Holy Spirit inspiring the Apostle Paul to write Philippians chapter 4. Where it tells us of all the things that we're supposed to think on. To forsake thinking about the dark things of the world. But to focus our attention on thinking on things that are pure and lovely, and praiseworthy, and have a good report, and a virtue. God wants us to keep our minds focused on the kingdom of God, because we're a citizen of heaven now. That's our reality. And when we trust God to be the sovereign of all things, we can relax, and we can just focus on the truth of his love. Speaking of which, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13, telling us about all the things that love is, encouraging us that if we are to act like citizens of heaven, we're going to need to learn about God's love. And it is found in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. In faith, in God, and in his word, We purify our souls by obeying the truth through the Spirit. That Spirit that God gave us upon our confession of faith in His love, in Jesus' love at Calvary's cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. God gives us his Spirit in order for us to understand 
these revelations that he's been sharing with us for over 6,000 years from Genesis to Revelation. John chapter 14, verse 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Remember how I say from Proverbs chapter 3, In all our ways were to acknowledge him, and he will direct our path? That's this Spirit. As we acknowledge God's Spirit, and we ask for that wisdom, which he promises to give liberally, it is from the Spirit's guidance that it comes. This is God's Spirit. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way in which you shall go. And I love this intimate part. It says, I will guide you with mine eye. Can you imagine being so fixated on the things of God that our heart beats with his heartbeat, that we hear his spirit telling us the things of heaven, that we might utilize them here on earth in the darkness of all of this evil that we see around us so much lately. God's spirit, God's light shines within us as we hide his word in our heart. As Psalm 119 says, he will guide our steps. It is a lamp unto our feet. God wants to guide us with his eye, and he does it by his spirit. And then he promises that we'll be able to hear him. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, it says, And thine ear shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk in it. Are the puzzle pieces coming together for you? Are you hearing the Spirit? Are you getting understanding of all these pieces hidden in God's Word? They're coming to light. Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Continuing in our verse, it says, Through his spirit, in sincere love of the brethren. This is the direction. This is the destination God is carrying us to that we might comprehend his sacrificial love and bestow it upon the family of God as well as the world like Jesus did, but most importantly, upon the brethren in the family of God. We are in unity, the bride of Christ. The bride needs to be making herself ready. And we do that in our love for one another. 
John chapter 13 verse 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples. Meaning we're the student of Christ. We're learning from him. We're learning from his word. Remember, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're gleaning. We're harvesting truths out of his word and it's transforming us. And as we learn these things from our teacher, we love the brethren. They will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As we learn of his love and we live in his love, which is abundant in grace and mercy, we need to acknowledge this truth every moment of every day in every situation that we're learning and we're to live so that we can share it with others. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4 says, There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. That is why I call this ministry hope of our calling. Because we are being called to God's love. And it is a magnificent hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, it says, And whether one member suffer, all members suffer. If one member is honored, all members rejoice in it. We are called to be so connected with one another that we operate as one body. God's love and plan is extravagant, and it is extraordinary. It is so far past our comprehension But in the pursuit of it and in the deep desiring of it and the simply believing and receiving of it, we get to grow in the knowledge of God and his ways through his spirit and obeying his word. And throughout his word, he exhorts us, put off the works of the flesh and do not walk after the flesh, but walk in the spirit. When we do that, We bear out the greatest testimony, and that's the working of God in the family of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And keep in mind, it's God's love we're speaking of, not our selfish love but his sacrificial love. And verse 32 in chapter 4 of Ephesians says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So convicting, but so transforming if we allow it to filter into our hearts and not just get locked into our minds. It's got to transform that deceitfully wicked heart Jeremiah spoke of. Further on in chapter 5 of Ephesians, chapter 21, it says, Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Do you recall in John chapter 13, 14, Jesus had been washing the feet of his disciples, a job that the lowliest servant in the household was supposed to do to wash off the dust of the world off the feet of those coming to dine. And Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. And finally, in John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but through his coming here into humanity, we got to know him. And through him, we believed in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him the glory, so that our faith and hope are in God. And in that knowledge, purify your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit that has been given to us, God's spirit, in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at kendramartinministries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org.